right. So we've got uh, Guy Ritani here, um, Maori fella, who is involved with the, uh, the permaqueer and uh, is also on his way um, uh, to present tomorrow in Melbourne at uh, Queer Science. Uh, so we're going to have a very uh, wide-ranging yarn. Um, I first uh, got involved with um, with Guy and with Permaqueer through a, a series of yarns where I was really interested to um, to have a look at what uh, queering permaculture um, uh, can achieve. Wow. You know um, what, um, like amazing things could come out of that, and I was really taken with the idea. Um, one of the things we talked about was the permaculture idea of edge. You know, where one state gives way to another state uh, in the space. So you know, high to low, wet to dry, red soil to black soil. It's those in-between places, and um, you know, seeing seeing as how that's where you know queer culture has developed, evolved, lived. Um, for so long, I was really interested in some of the um, um, the ideas and insights, you know, um, that could come out of that that relation uh, in the permaculture space. Uh, but guys, so much more than that. He, you know, he does a lot of body work and um, <clears throat> is well, as you'll see, he's, he's got um, really wide ranging uh, interests and areas of inquiry. So how you going, Guy? Good, kia ora. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be here, finally meeting you in person after the Zoom boxes of, of, of meeting everyone last year. I'm really good. Uh, happy to be down here Nam, um, and excited for, for this work, for this yarn. Um, yeah, no, I, I've had such a wonderful week coming up to this week, actually, and in lead up to this talk that I'm doing on uh, ancestral biology and connecting to your traditional ecological knowledge and it's it's so beautiful seeing like my Māori heritage appear in community in very very beautiful ways and then my my other um, Celtic heritage appear as well and it, I'm feeling very very held right now mm. coming into the the work that I'm doing tomorrow, and I'm really excited to to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to feel held, as mm. long, long as they don't squeeze too tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what are you, what are you presenting <coughs> tomorrow? So tomorrow, my my talk is on um, uh, ancestral biology, connecting to your traditional ecological knowledge. I'm doing it in a collab with Queer Science and Midsummer um, at the Melbourne Museum. So. Uh, it's a big platform for me. Really grateful to be speaking on it. Um, but for for the work that we do at Permaqueer, and um, I suppose for for the work that I they do as the, as a Maori person, how I view myself, um, we're faced with so many issues right now in society, and you know at the core of them is how we treat ourselves and how we treat the landscape mm. and understanding frameworks of of how and why we do that is at the core at the core of that yeah um and for me uh that's that is that is culture that is my culture that is mm. how i connect to myself so my my talk is basically on you know what what does it mean to live in reciprocity with our environment uh has there ever been a point where we um live 
as as um, a custodian species, as um, caretakers of the land and complex ecosystem. Um, I'm grateful to be talking to you from with all of your knowledge and um, on on this country as well. Um, and I know there's so such deep pools of wealth, and and my hope really is. Um, to connect people to their own ancestry and their own ecological knowledge so that they can have compassion and understanding towards First Nations people on this country because, you know, we know we have all of the answers. Mm. You know, it's, it's embedded in culture, it's embedded in country. And right now it's about re-resourcing that and changing and shifting the culture to value what that looks like. So... We'll see how tomorrow goes, yeah. I'm seeing that approach from um, a lot of Polynesian uh, people lately. Mm. I've had about three Polynesians on podcasts so far already, you know. It's, um, it's like a quarter of all the people we've spoken <laughs> to so far. Um, but it's, it, that's, it's a really interesting, um, uh, productive approach to dialogue. Is, you know, uh, people trying to come in relation come into relation with settlers and people from all around the world um but finding that those people are so disconnected you know uh, from themselves and a sense of their own culture and that they have a culture that sort of um there's something about liberalism uh the anglosphere that um sort of dominant sort of um marketplace based you know cultureless mm. culture that mm. it kind of pushes people into this um this insane idea of being culturally neutral, mm. you know, this idea that, you know, um, all people f- who are furthest from the center, from the economic center, they have culture, mm. you know, people who are closer to the center don't have culture. Mm. They have a marketplace. Yeah, just a bunch <laughs> and, uh, of androids. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it, like, oh, just an empirical, you know, so the idea, <clears throat> that kind of brainwashed idea of what science is, which is really inaccurate. Mm. You know, there's this idea that there's an empiricism and that there's, you know, there is data mm. and that data is knowledge <laughs> somehow, mm. Mm. not information. It's mm. just, it's knowledge and it doesn't lie and that there is an empirical objective reality and that you can inhabit that in a culturally neutral way. Um, you know, and I think people have had this drummed in over, particularly over the last century, the sort of industrialization of the planet mm. and the domestication of people into this, you know, failed experiment of nations, this idea of mm. nationhood. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been really, really tricky. So you see Polynesian fellows, you know, they're, they're meeting people who are sort of trapped in that illusion and instead of persisting with, um, with attempting that, that relatedness, mm. establishing that relation... Um, noticing that, well, first I have to do the work of helping this person to see their own culture because mm. they have to be attached to that um, mm. that ancestral mm. Mm. line, their place, their, their culture, mm. all of those cultural inputs, everything mm. that makes them them, they have to see that first before mm. I can come into relation with them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I love about, uh, you know, the Pacifica community is um, a concept that spans through, and I'm sure it spans across all Indigenous, you know, in, in different forms, but uh, we call it um, mana, um, and then also um, manakitanga, and this is, you know, we, we live in accordance to uphold um, our own mana, mm. um, which I suppose you could loosely translate to, like, 
I don't know, spirit or, mm. or pride. It's, it's a, it's a combination of values. And, and, and we, we behave in accordance to uphold our mana and, and others mana and other, other, you know, more than human environmental, uh, the environment's mana. And yeah. And, and that's not something that exists in Western colonial culture. You don't, you, you, there's a, there's a, uh, a lack of space being held to uphold somebody else's integrity, even mm. if you don't agree with them. Yeah. And that's what something from the Pacific is really beautiful. The, the monarchy tongue, which is, is just care of others, mm. um, that just, you know, even if someone doesn't take care of you or doesn't know how to communicate to you, you still can offer them that care. Mm. Um, whether or not that's, you know, appropriate all the time I, yep. I you know there, there are systemic barriers that don't make it helpful but there is a there is a point of understanding that i believe is a deep cultural privilege <clears throat> um that we have a well of mana in our whole culture that we can all continue to give and you know like mm. you said we're we're up against this valueless culture of imperial extraction mm. that is individualizing every single person down to the smallest consumer and doesn't bolster them up with any sense of well-being, integrity or mana. Mm. And to come from a place where I know I have that and I know mm. my community has that and we can actually offer that, mm. that's that's true privilege. Well, every, every entity has mana. So, mm. you know, a river, mm. you know, a tree, mm. a landscape, a place, a mm. waterhole, everything, a person, mm. an animal. Mm. And so therefore that, that is there. And, and yes, yeah, so of course a, a culture or a community as a collective and, and therefore as an entity that, that has mana as mm. well. Mm. Um, and the idea of the community holding that for everybody and of that entity being, yeah. Mm. Um, that, I mean, the, the problem that comes in there is that uh, tragedy of the commons. Mm. Then, yeah. You know, when there is a, a common shared mm. pool of resources it's how do you uh, how do you manage the um, the rise of sort of bad actors mm. acting unilaterally uh, mm. to you know damage that uh, that commons mm. and therefore gain a competitive advantage and so then everybody else has to jump yeah. in and do the same thing until all the money is gone yeah completely yeah. taken yeah and you know strangely the only thing that I'd say to that is you kind of just have to meet those bad actors with with mana and with Manaki Tanga and call call them out on that bad acting. Yeah. It's hard, you know, it's really difficult to spot these in community and we know how detrimental they are, but we also know that there's no, like, a way for us to throw things mm. or people and that's a core sort of understanding in, you know, Western colonial imperial culture is that, you know, this punitive model of being able to get rid of something or being able to throw away our waste and bury it into Mother Earth, mm. that's not going... It doesn't go mm. anywhere. Yeah. It still exists. And yeah. that's the same with people. They still exist. You just don't want to deal with them. Yeah. And realistically, that's actually you not taking responsibility because not only are you aware that this person is doing something wrong, you're choosing to do nothing about it and put that on somebody mm. else uninformed mm. and so i don't know there's a whole lot of of sort of 
resources that you have to be ha- have to have and privileges and, and power to be able to hold this person accountable mm. so you know my previous statement is a little bit problematic in the fact that it's this expectation that everyone's able to do that yeah um but it's definitely something we work towards in community yeah yeah and with a deep time focus i mean it so you know in your culture way you know there's kind of these uh ecological closed loops almost with regard to ancestors and ancestral spirit mm. and yeah you know, the course of your life and where it goes yeah um, yeah through so yeah that that paints a bit of a different uh, background yeah yeah so um i'll touch a bit on our um creation story we have um papa tuanuku and rangi ranginui who's um sky mother or sky father and mother earth papa tuanuku and how supposedly, how our um, our realm was created was the splitting of those two gods by their children, mm-hmm. um, primarily Tani Mahuta, who's the god of the forest. And, you know, with the strength of the forest that we have, push them apart. And we live in this sort of embrace between these two, two creator spirits. Um, you know, the tears of Ranganui fall down upon... Uh, Papa Tuanuku and then mm. her size bring that moisture back up and it's the cycle of um, Aroha which is love and mana that we all exist within and we have this understanding that that's, that's how we live that's what we exist within it's our responsibility to make sure that the sorrow that our creative our creative spirits feel we're not adding to that by injuring mm. Papa Tuanuku or the sky we're respecting our environment and we're choosing to live within this love that exists between our creator spirits. And so being able to connect to that for me is a true privilege, especially in the world that we live in today, because that gives me a sense of purpose, a reason to look after my environment and a a moral compass of what I know is right Mm. in relationship and being Mm. in right relationship is so powerful in community Mm. and it's so powerful in leadership because you can, you see people holding this mana, people Mm. who have right relationship to environment, to others. And people are drawn to that because Mm. you know, there's a, there's this, you sense it, you sense what's right about it. There's a spiritual element that you can't argue with, with words. Yeah. Well, and it's almost material. The um, that ancestral spirit, the way it the way it cycles, you know, through the landscape, it, it acts almost as a nutrient. Mm, yeah, you know? yeah, completely. Yeah, catalyzing that whole process again and again and again. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of like we're. I don't know. I keep on thinking about the approach to to what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do with <clears> this <throat> lecture. What how how do we get people to engage in in their own what what ancestry means to them what their culture means to them and largely when i say them i mean you know western uh european imperial culture but that bleeds out into a lot of other cultures and there's this i don't know misconception that you don't have a a heritage that at one Mm. point had right relationship to landscape Mm. i don't necessarily know what that is for Mm. every you know, settler or colonizer, but I do know that somewhere along the line it did exist. You know, the first spaces to be colonized were these spaces. And so we have this pattern of trauma that's playing out again and again and again. And now in the society we live in, people who live and sit within that intergenerational trauma don't even know. Mm. 
they don't even know and they're wielding it again mm. and again and that's why you know people of color uh indigenous people of australia they're facing the brunt of that violence but realistically that violence is just embedded so deeply into mm. the ancestry mm. of of these people look there's a problematic sort of notion in you know science and social sciences that sort of a hangover from um earlier Christian ideas um, of environments, bioregions, cultures, um, ecosystems as static, Mm. you know, as that the, you know, it basically came out of this worldview of the idea that the earth is only 6,000 years old and that where things are, that's where God put them, Mm. you know, so the zebras are there. Yeah. And uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the fact is that every ecosystem migrates about a hundred meters every year at least Mm. you know and that um all ecosystems are fluid and that there is a lot of migration Mm. uh with all kinds of different species um Mm. you know right around the world that's happening all the time Mm. um and it's powered by birds that fly halfway Mm. around the planet and all kinds of other forces Mm. Uh, lots of ocean currents as you know Mm. um you know in, in your way you know you can see that the moon's there and that Mm. it's a certain time of year and just Mm. you know pretty much just jump into the water and know that within 12 hours you'll be at the next island (laughs) you know yeah yeah. Yeah. i mean Mm. you know that there's uh there's there's all these things it's it's constantly in motion it's very fluid it's very dynamic Mm. it's very migratory Mm. but it's still profoundly place-based so even if you're in a culture an ancient culture like the roma and and you know you don't have a homeland sort mm. of space mm. you know or you, or you're in a diaspora or whatever mm. you still have these maps mm. you know the migration routes themselves mm. that's your mm. place mm. you know your mm. place is a, a large migratory route mm. and you have those maps mm. um, and human cognition can't it can't happen without those spatial maps mm. in the mind that your memory is built on these things uh, maps and story, basically. Mm. So you know your spatial processing and and the the um, the narrative, the narration mm. that's going on constantly mm. in your mm. mind. That's what builds your reality. Mm. So it's story and place mm. uh, is profoundly what everything's based on. So this idea that people who are part of a diaspora um, that's occurred because of industrialization uh, and lots of lots and lots of wars and you know all kinds of you know, terrible things going on in the world. Um, you know, you've got like, so lots of Europeans here go, oh, but I'm not connected to a place, you know, in mm. Ireland or whatever, I'm just here. Mm. And it's, well, you know, then this is where you are. Mm. You know, mm. it's, um, you know, you're part of a diaspora and that's part of your maps. Mm. And where you are and where you live, that's the place where you need to connect. Mm. And that's the place where you have to draw meaning, mm. you know. But also there's born the place where you're born, mm, mm. you know, because your spirit comes out of that place, mm. you know, whether you like it or not, no matter where you end up, mm. you know, that, that's, mm. that's part of your patterning as well. Mm. But there are lots of things leading into all your different parts of spirit that are patterning you. Mm. Um, and a lot of that, a large part of that living spirit is constantly just flowing through you mm. from the place where you are mm. and that you inhabit. Mm. Um, so this is a, yeah, that was a long way to say it, but I think it's really important <laughs> because a lot of people get caught up, like they fetishize, you know, um, 
elements of their genealogy oh, yeah. in a way that's it's it's really inappropriate. And yeah. It's not how our, our old people have always done it. And this they of... sort of fetishize it as a as a as, as a biological marker. Yeah. And as something that that um, establishes them in a particular group identity that has a particular cachet, you know, politically or you know. Yeah, this sort of anthropological time slot that is trying to be some some sort of puritism about yeah. it and like i think that by all means we we do need to understand where we come from and what our roots are to inform the emergent culture moving forward yeah. because these empathy the empathy that we have towards our you know environments and towards other people it, a lot of that work's you know been done by ancestors prior to you know like the 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 um roaming cultures that don't necessarily have a place, but they have patterns throughout those cultures, the yeah. way they're related to the landscape, that is what we need to try and, mm. and connect to. Not so that we recreate this, we never could. You, yeah. could. you can't go back to that, but it can inform how we move forward. And I believe there's an infinite amount of, of knowledge and wealth for everyone buried in the past. That's but it, it. But it's not going to be recreated. But it's, um, and, you know, it's not a linear continuum either. I mean, mm. if you're subscribing to that ontological sort of framing of reality then you know you're also connected to your descendants Mm. in the same way and Mm. information is passing between you Mm. and it's not unidirectional Mm. you know your descendants are also communicating with you Mm. um, and directing you if you care to hear it you know it's um yeah it's really tricky that one it's like um i've talked to a lot of native americans about that lately Mm. And they talk about, yeah, like um, people in the present sort of dreaming people in the past into being. Mm. And I say, mm. <laughs> it's like this yeah, wow. back to the future time paradox yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. And, and also, you know, their descendants dreaming them into being or into, you know, taking a certain course of action, etc. Um, yeah, you see that a lot. Yeah, powerful. Mm. Mm. That's a tricky one to get your head around. Yeah. But there's a kind of materiality in that um, that uh, that sort of ancestral spirit mm. and and that that understanding of manna. Mm. Um, it's it's kind of it, it's uh, it's such a living and present force that you work with and you can actually see it mm. having an impact. Mm. Uh, in reality, there is a measurable impact if you're working with that on mm. you know how the land responds. Mm you know, to you mm. growing things, mm. etc. you know. Um, we got all excited about that before, like briefly going, oh, man, you got to bring this into the sci research, <laughs> you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, in our way, like if you're doing, if you're doing any kind of research like that, it's, this takes a long time. You'd have to sit for a couple of decades first, yarning about it with community and, yeah <laughs> until yeah. you resolved all of the issues of you know mm. what it would be to do that research and find that thing that may then be used to leverage mm. different applications and um you know um might bring all kinds of horrors into the world mm. Mm. yeah <laughs> yeah and and not sort of like you're saying not rushing that with that imperial view straight into market to to I don't know, benefit as an individual. Yeah. Like I, I I think an extension of of mana into community community care and community development, it especially, you know, 
like you're saying in 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 the sci realm of how mm. we how we treat each other um it's 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 powerful in that you I don't know. I feel like I was saying before, you can you can feel it. You can feel mana in other people. You can mm. feel mana in a space. You come into an environment and you and the environment feeds it back. The if you're looking after the mana of the soil, it mm. it it you know looks after the mana of the plant, and then the plants exudes even you know they're they're brighter, they're happier. They yeah. You can see it and you can sense it and. You know, stepping and it's not in, subjective. It's not. It's measurable. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I feel like the there's so many things flying around in my head right now. Trying to make <laughs> sense. Yeah. No. But the the worst thing is though, it, that would be a hard experiment to do because there'd be so many different variables you'd have to control, mm. um, and 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 be on top of. Mm. That it but, would almost like the act of doing that would almost kill the mana. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and I, I feel like when you try to quantify, you know, oh, it's about it's about this or it's about that or, yeah. or this is more. It's it's not that. It's yeah. it's, it's experiential. It's you know, it, it is that <clears throat> very very subtle intuition that you get. It's not this. Okay, the mana is the curtains open at yep. you know this two minutes after the it's not it's not that it's how you meet a space it's how you sense a space and and that i know flipping into the bodywork perspective that sensory perception that we have mm. that is so intertwined in how we connect to our how i believe we connect to our ancestry and yeah. how i believe we connect to our environment yeah. you know I mean, we're doing this thing with queer science, so I've tried to put it through a scientific perspective of how our central nervous system relates to our surrounding environment and what a stress is and what is not a stress and what is what what's stressful in an ecosystem mm. and what's unnecessary stress in an ecosystem. Yeah. And I feel like the 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 traumas that are compounded in our culture currently lead us to have this very, very tightly wound uh, nervous system that can't necessarily receive or emit or relate to these subtle energies that I would say would be mana or, I mean, extend into, vi- into a lot of different places and even trying to talk about them, I feel like I'm trying to nail something down that mm. should not and could not be nailed down. That's it. As, as soon <clears throat> as you begin to um, quantify, you, you're immediately an extractive relation mm. and so mm. you're shifting away from mana into the more well romanized i guess equivalent mm. and and a lot of that um i mean the anglosphere and the you know industrial liberal culture that's sort of taken over the planet mm. it's more of an economy than a culture but um it's kind of inherited this this roman concept of dignitas which is is like mana but it's in an extractive relation mm. You know, and mm. so the, and this this informed everything. Mm. It's about each person um, accruing dignitas mm. to themselves, mm. and of that, you know, uh, coming almost as reputation, but spirit as well, mm. that somebody's carrying around with them, 
and you're just like, wow, look at the dignitas on that fellow. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, oh, well, I'm going to be his client because I can, yeah. uh, you know, I can attach myself, you know, to that constellation yeah. uh, of power, you know, and it, it was it's kind of power. Like you couldn't have power without that dignitas. But it affected everything, like uh, right down to sexual. Roman sexuality is like, geez, that's that's something that's worth reading up on. It was like, yeah, I have to. So it 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 was always a unidirectional thing, you know. So sex was something where, where somebody is doing the penetrating, mm. and when they're doing that, they're extracting oh, wow. something. They're extracting dignity from the other person, wow. and they're increasing their dignitas oh, wow. through the act of penetration. And it's irrelevant what that person's feeling in terms of pleasure. Although if they're feeling pain or, you know, you're able to dominate them to the point where they have to willingly and enthusiastically comply with something unpleasant that you want to do to them, then that's increasing your dignitas. Wow. That is a framework. That's a sexuality. It's an economic model. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a game theoretical nightmare. It's a goodness. Sexuality goes through everything. And so this is where I'm, I'm really interested in queering, um, like queer as a verb, mm. um, and particularly as a, as a methodology and as a framework for approaching inquiry. Um, I, I get annoyed with the, the general perception out there, especially in a lot of the circles that I move in intellectually, mm. the perception of, um, of queer theory, etc., is that it's, it's just this... Um, this this useless destructive thing that's come out of postmodernism, mm. and it, it's just a deconstructivist thing. It's just another brand of uh, trying to destroy civilization, mm. um, and that basically it's it's only there to critique power. Mm. It's only there to critique heteronormativity, and that's all it can do. Mm. So it's kind of weirdly sort of self-referential in that way. And that it, it only exists in an oppositional relation to something else. Mm. But that's not been my experience of, um, of people who use it as a verb. I, I mean, I have seen, you know, there is a lot of people out there who claim a queer theory perspective. And they do a bit of critique and then they write the rest of their essay and it's basically a heteronormative yeah. <laughs> yeah, analysis yeah, yeah. anyway yeah. With, with some, you know, Foucault at the start. Mm. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of that nonsense that goes on, but that's not what it is. Mm. You know, when people are using queer as a verb and they're queering a discipline or a, an economy or something like that, it's um, it's freaking value adding. It's yeah, it's um, completely it's cleaning person. house. Mm. You know, it's not pulling the house down. It's fucking cleaning up, mm. and it is, it is redecorating. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, but just in amazing ways mm. is, is what I find. Mm. So maybe you could like help me dispel those myths. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like queer wears an interesting mask um, in modern culture at the moment. Yeah. Like I feel the way that I, I feel like even in the like queerness for me is, is, is a desire to be queer because yeah. I, I come from the spaces and upbringings that I've that I've had to be truly queer I don't think exists because we're we're dominated by so many discourses which is a place we have to come from mm. so queer theory is 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 queering things it is an action it's a verb of doing stuff um, but it's also being very conscious of of like you said are we actually being queer in this space or are we putting on the current picture of a queer mask and then doing the same shit like that everyone else is 
neoliberal homonormativity. Yeah, kind of. exactly. Like, there's so many queer spaces that I just hate going into because it is just <laughs> cis, white, gay culture yep. with earrings on, really. And it's like, no, this is not even God. What the <laughs> hell is going yeah, on? Yeah. And so, you know... I mean, Milo Yiannopoulos... Yeah. It's, it's not a queer space. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> and, and and what what all these spaces claiming to be queer spaces, it, it comes again from this like imperial, I don't know, clout dignitas trying to achieve this yeah. this this thing. Whereas the truly queer spaces are all of you know these disabled sharehouses and on the fringes where no one cares about them or their sexuality or what what and genuinely no system cares about them and so they've just had to make do with what they've got and they've come up with these incredible systems that work so well they don't have any intention of sharing them with other people Mm. because they don't have particularly too much interaction with other people and interaction with other people is really damaging to them and so this beautiful space erupts this uh, it's not even an academic critique, it's an emergent critique. They've had yeah. to do this because of the space that they exist within, because of the l- liminal queer area of society that, that is their life experience mm. has resulted them into queering their life. Yes. So, I don't know, I just get frustrated with a lot of the queer spaces that exist because it's 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 an aesthetic, It's a, and it's not. That's not what it is, and it, 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 it's a very action... A very very radical action um and and i'd say that i I try to put myself in those spaces but again Mm. i have a huge amount of privilege the reason i am in the spaces that i am doing the things that i do is because of that privilege so you know i i i just i draw a lot of guidance and um influences to what I need to do from mm. these spaces and I and I always say people who do have privilege and do have access to power figure out what that queer space is and figure and you know I, I only with engagement will you understand a lot yeah. of people are like oh I have a whole bunch of queer friends and then uh, you know a gaggle yeah. of white hetero homos will walk in yas queen and it's annoying White hetero homos. I love that. Oh my god! Mm. Look, I mean, I mean sexuality is—it's—it's it's really important in the same way that culture is, mm. and but also like uh, its interaction with liberalism, industrialization, the Anglosphere, mm. uh, it renders it as invisible. Mm. You know, the closer you are to the center, it renders it as invisible as culture is mm. is rendered invisible. Mm. So it's almost like. Um, in the same way that people need indigenizing in order to d- rediscover their own culture mm. and to actually see the culture that they're swimming in, like mm. a fish in water doesn't realize it's in water, mm. like to actually see your own culture. You know, um, dialogue with indigenous people helps people to do that. Mm. I think queering helps people to see their sexuality and how mm. important it is in everything. I mean, we started this bit of the discussion with talking about Roman sexuality. Mm. And how much that fed into their their conceptualization of mana, mm. which um, basically made it into an open loop. Mm. Like it's no longer a closed loop because it's extractive. Mm. So when they had an extractive sexuality, a, uh, a, a one-sided unidirectional sexuality mm. that wasn't about creating a feedback loop between two people, mm. 
that um, you know increase that that va that that relational space between them and beautified it and and uh, you know I mean that's what it's supposed to do mm. it's supposed to be this feedback loop that grows mm. all of the adjacent possibilities in that relation between mm. you mm. and 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 just and just oh mm. just makes it enormously complex and productive mm. um, your sexuality is your way of relating mm. like to the freaking world Completely. but it's also your way of relating to manna mm. and if your sexuality is sick and that and that's become somehow an open loop instead of a closed loop then you've got problems and it does affect everything mm. it affects your economics mm. it affects your governance models it affects your every single tiny thing mm. um, Affects, infects. Mm. So queering, from that perspective, queering is a way of mm. helping everybody to close that loop. Yeah. In 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 their sexuality and therefore their relationship with mana and the world. You mm. know. Yeah. And one thing we know is that you know, like in ecosystems, like in everything, sexuality is is so <clears throat> ever changing and evolving and transforming, and you know gender and, and sexuality and, and how you identify along these spectrums, in queer spaces, I, I believe you get more of a permission to, mm. to be okay, okay to be yourself. But I feel like there's a, you know, a, another category for actual, like, like you said, sexual health and not necessarily from like a, you know, SDI perspective, yep. but from a like, how do you engage with that sexual energy? Mm. There And I believe, you know, I wouldn't actually say that our the sexual energy that's put out in the world right now is too far from that Roman sexual energy oh. of extract. If oh anything, I'd say it's probably worse. And yeah, and we don't know. Ba- oh, back well, to the call me daddy. You know. Yeah, yeah, completely, <sighs> completely. And we don't know how. I mean, going into the bodywork again and into. I'm not even going to start on the healthcare system, but. <laughs> how we relate to our central nervous system and how our central nervous system relates to our sexual energy yeah. is so far beyond what our current society wants to play with or wants to accept. And I believe that right now the mask that queer theory is wearing is inviting us a lot more into that space. Yeah. At least at least that's the spaces they see it happening in in the over in the imperial overculture that we have Mm. um but you know it's employing these these areas that permission to queer is okay Mm. and you know it's iterational it happens over time my hope is that the things that we view as queer theory right now just become a norm and we realize that some of these behaviors and identities are just healthier for us for the ways that we relate and for the environment. Yep. And then all of a sudden, what is queer, what we're queering, we'll move on to the next beautiful thing. And yep. that's how we develop as a culture. Well, I mean, how liberalism acts, I mean, it just absorbs things. Mm. Anything that's a threat, it will mm. absorb it into the center, mm. which is comes back to those spaces that you're not really comfortable with, mm. you know, in the, in the sort of more homonormative side of things. Mm. Um, but it, it is really interesting. Everything's in relation to the center. You know, so let's say the center was, I don't know, freaking that they got under CRISPR, you know, and they, they gene edited mm. and it cost half a million dollars to do it. And they made themselves green, mm. you know, we'd all have to call ourselves non-green. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's our identity now mm. is like, you know, 
um, chlorophyll deficient people. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we, that, that our identity is still in relation to the center and we have to build an identity based on not being green, mm. not mm. having green skin. Mm. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's um, whatever the center is doing, everybody's identity has to be labeled yeah. in, relation, in to relation to that. So, you, you know, suddenly we have to invent queer because a group of people have occupied the center and said, we're just this and this is normal and mm. everybody should be doing this. Anyone who's not is fucking evil. Mm. You know, so then all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, I'm not that. So I, of course, have to name myself this in relation mm. to that. Mm. Indigenous people, we have to call ourselves indigenous because a group of really powerful people who stole our fucking land mm. decided to call themselves non-indigenous. Decided mm. to separate from the landscape and define themselves in a different way mm. and force us to have to occupy an identity that's not ours because mm. we're not indigenous, we're like actually human, we're actual human beings, mm. like who are living mm. within a memory at least mm. of, of um, being embedded in a landscape, mm. you know, in the right way, mm. being embedded in a sexuality mm. in a right way, being embedded in. You know, that manna, that spirit, that, mm. you know, and we, whatever you want to call it. Um, ah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. uh, it's just awful. It's a yeah. constant struggle, particularly mm. when the center is, um, is constantly then extracting from those identities. Mm. And I wonder if that's why they construct them in the first place mm. for us is so that they can steal things Have from it source. and then eventually absorb it to the center mm. and then boom, Peter Thiel. Mm. you know (laughs) (laughs) well you know i think there's just so much to say about you know small community distributed power systems and just you know i was saying before in the kitchen about how you know as human beings we only have a capacity of comprehension or at least in in the way that they want to frame it and economic senses to deal with the consequences of other people's lives to a certain extent. So, I, you know, I, I think about what it's like to be a, a billionaire and think about how much... Re- you, you could not possibly comprehend the ramifications of your actions. Mm. You can't necessarily do that as an individual, mm. but as we get more and more complex human systems that we've developed, the ramifications of our actions... Uh, lead us to be less and less informed about how we're actually behaving. Mm. And I think, you know, being able to... I feel like a reason why we don't have a lot of answers for that scale is because we shouldn't have answers for that scale. On that level, you know, my understanding of complex human interaction is we we need to keep in our own lane we need to keep in our own bioregion we need to keep in our own community we need to keep not to say we can't you know interact by all means we should definitely interact but we need there's there's too much jurisdiction over too much too large of a space that we cannot actually take responsibility for as a, mm. as a human being and we need to stop systemically putting people in these positions yet we have the system that continues try, to try yeah. and funnel for one hard and fast answer to absolutely everything and yeah. that and that doesn't work and and as you're saying before about you know everything being in definition to the the center if if we don't have this whole centralized body of power if we you know if it was to go back into 
you know, the the different um, mobs managing their country, we would have a, a far better distributed management mm. of independently organized human population. Yeah. And, and, and it's this, this simplification, this, you know, reduction of, of the way we choose to relate to each other yeah. that is destroying the integrity of everything. Mm. And, and every solution you offer in that space, it's like immediately it, it, the first challenge that's leveled at it. And what takes it down every time is this, uh, can it scale? Mm. Mm. yeah because it, it's like what, should well, it scale <laughs> oh you've got an idea yeah you've got an idea have you very well yeah. does it scale <laughs> if it does not scale it's 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 of no utility uh, yeah if it's no 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 utility it does not have the right to exist Be gone from me. it has to be able to scale because yeah. everything has to be scaled up to that national oh level and then the global level Otherwise, it's uh, has no utility. So any local model that you might have mm. of community governance or even mm. land management or anything, it's like, well, that wouldn't scale for, you know, fifty thousand hectares of sorghum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, things don't the the ecosystems don't even scale. Like the complexity of each microclimate with nested within an, the microclimate next to it is so so different. Yeah. You could naturally these things don't scale the complexity of life that's why we have di- such divergence in you know species expression throughout all of everywhere yeah. like we we it, it's so unnatural we we cannot simply do that well we're, i mean we're still stuck in an ecological model that's profoundly christian mm. and that was kind of i mean it's a paradigm that was invented like i said before when everybody believed the world was six thousand years old mm. you know and it's where things are that's where god put them yeah so it's this static model of mm. well that's where these people are from here and they they belong there and um <laughs> but we want that so they are doomed um you know uh, 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 oh my goodness so it yeah there still is that i listen to so many even like really clever evolutionary biologists and everybody people using complexity theory um you know, I'm having a lot of amazing dialogues with people in that space. Um, but still, there's a lot of attitudes in there that are, you know, invisible to them that are really strongly informed by that. Mm. So they're carrying a, a lot of baggage from the Enlightenment. They're holding mm. on to that because that's their cultural capital. Mm. And they know the world's changing, but mm. they want to hold on to their shit. Yeah. They want to keep their financial mm. You know, they, mm. they want to keep their economic capital, but they also want to keep their uh, cultural and intellectual capital, mm. which is so, um, you know, deeply embedded in enlightenment values, etc. Mm. That um, that they're worried mm. that the enlightenment will disappear mm. with all of this critique, mm. with all this queering, all of this indigenizing, yeah. um, which is kind of like you're at the nexus of both of those things. But um, I guess you're here, you would be here to tell people that, no, we're not here to destroy the yeah. Enlightenment. We're not here to just critique the, envi- uh, yeah. the Enlightenment. If you're reading somebody who's just doing that, then that's somebody who's finding a lazy way through their PhD. A very lazy The way. rest of us are on the fucking ground doing the work. Completely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to speak to that, um, that fear point, you know, coming from holding on to... <clears throat> to the things that that we've accumulated when you don't have a a cultural framework like mana or you don't have a 
community relation, a, a generative community framework of relating, you, you, when you're stripped of everything, you have nothing. Yeah. But if I'm stripped of all of, all of everything that I have, I know for a fact I'm not nothing. I know who I am. I yep. know where I sit within this ecosystem. I know who my people are. And I know that if I'm stripped of everything, I can go to my people. But the culture around that, you know, Im- imperial and fear of enlightenment is is continuing to put ourselves in a space where we reject meaningful interaction and meaningful conversation mm-hmm. and not being able to sit in that yarn long enough to figure out what emerges, yep. which is new information as opposed to just going off everything that you've been told and, and being convinced that your way is the right way. Yeah. You, you come to a space of, of recept- receptivity that, I don't know, from a nervous system perspective, that is calming, that is a sense of purpose, that, mm. that, that, you stop producing, you know, stress responses to everything and mm. you're and you're able to willingly give the things that you have because you know you have enough. And that's a, a to me that's a cultural framework. That's a cultural framework that you have to be held within. That's it. And a cultural framework is so different from an ideology. Mm. It's what excited me so much about um the work you were doing with the permaqueer mm. mob and the the permaqueer mob. I don't know if they've changed since I last interacted with them. But my overwhelming impression of, um, you know, the queering permaculture kind of movement Mm. and the permaqueer kind of group um, was that they were not inhabiting an ideology. Mm. They were not policing ideological features. Mm. Um, They were basically people who were engaged in dialogue, productive Mm. dialogue with the world. Mm. Um, And and just... um, just I don't know, just spewing forth innovations out of that um, incredibly fertile, mm. you know, mana rich space. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was it was lovely. Mm. Well, I think we where we're at with Permaqueer at the moment is like we we haven't had necessarily a big overarching plan this yep. whole way through. <clears throat> where we have responded to community needs on the ground in communication with them and simply gone from, hey, what is it that you need? What is the resources? Hey, yep. who's got that? Let's connect it. Yep. And what we've done has been actually only made clear over time through being able to see what what is actually happening. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know, to, to feed it back to that that sense of, of, of mana, when you come when we came into our, our you know, when I was last year in lockdown, when I was going to all of the climate response, youth future, all of X, Y, Z, it was just a, a status update of how crap everything is. Mm. And it's just really crap. And it's, and, and we should have better systems. In it. And But there wasn't any, this is what the better system looks like. And there wasn't any, this is the the step to take to get to that better system. Yep. And so we're, you know almost caught in this academic exercise of of what of what's happening as opposed to a reality of of dynamism and actual action and behavior and so you know permaqueer is now split into um where we toad and i and um sisley and 
the others I worked on, um, Permaqueer, which was just totally in Sicily. Um, we queer we couldn't claim to we don't we could not possibly claim to understand what queer theory is and how it um erupts in community and and we were we were struggling with this conundrum for a while of how we how we dealt with that and there was this really sort of neoliberal idea that we had to permaqueer was ours and we had to you know right blah 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 and we were like we realized that it it wasn't that's not what we're trying to do (sighs) we so we've put permaqueer into a distributed network model so we're we want it to embody permaqueer i'm again structurally i'm not sure it's emergent how we're coming across these things Mm. um but we want permaqueer to be a framework to access uh, for queer communities anywhere or anyone who identifies with, with what the work that we're doing yeah. is. Um, and then also a platform for us to start resourcing because all of the partnerships and, you know, networks that we've started to create have been so um, generative to actual meaningful change in the community um, to the point where we can't actually keep up with it on where we're at. But distributing that into communities that are not governed by us, that are not controlled by us, but still have access to what it is that we're trying to do, to me is the most powerful use of what Permaqueer is Mm. at the moment. That may change, that may develop, um, and that also may become problematic at some point. Uh, ideally people, you know, it wouldn't just be permaqueer, they, they would do their own thing and it would inspire people to use the models that we have used to elicit change in their, in their bioregion and their communities so that we can live in this, you know, mana and genderful world that we want to, or whatever they want to do. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I had, I always struggled with the, the concept of like like business plans and overarching uh, you know like yeah. this idea that we have Mission to nail statement. something to the wall yep. and it's stable because uh, you know the way that i viewed the world from a child was everything you know the sun mm. came up and it went down the sun was mm. slightly to, you know it's it's always constantly evolving well and you're trying to embody mm. but the others the settlers mm. in there were trying to incorporate mm. And that's mm. a completely different thing because mm. you're making like this, this shadow person, this, uh, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. You're making this living ghost, mm. Mm. this, uh, simulacrum mm. thing mm. that you can, um, you know, you can shift accountabilities and externalities back and forth yeah. between the incorporated body and, and yourself. Yeah. It's like you're making this doppelganger. And that's wrong. To share risk. Then no. you, you, uh, it's, you it's outsource this concept of like liability. It's <clears> like, <throat> that's, that's just, you just are responsible for your behavior. Mm. But now we have this whole industry and, 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 you know, language and mm. value system towards why we're not accountable to certain things. And then that go and then that's reinforced by the cultural framework yeah. that we have. And that's so damaging. And if there's anything we know about, you know, our movement forward is that we must come into alignment with our environment and all of these, you know, extractive systems that have no accountability to what they actually inflict on others and on the environment 
are are not systems that encompass a future that we need. And so, you know, throwing them out and recreating things based on emergent needs Mm. and emergent resources is actually what we have to do. And so, you know, permaqueer is suspended in this space right now where we're just like, well, we don't really have, you know, we've got ideas, we have like, but we're, we're largely informed by every single day as it comes which community member comes to us what resources we have available and I just and again that comes to to a scale perspective once you have you know your administrative person who's mm. vetting every single blah 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 and you know the the pure context and the pure sense of of the exchange and upholding of mana between these two people gets put into an email mm. and then shipped into a proposal writer and mm. then into a graphic designer and then into some other place. Then it gets to you and you're like, I don't even, what, you know, what is this? And you're so removed from the actual reality of the feedback that's coming through this complex network that we're in right now. And, you know, again, I just keep on coming back to the, this, the, 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 whole system is made up of units however large we want to go however small we want to go coming back to the unit level and Mm. making that unit sustainable and educated and having a sense of well-being and having a sense of purpose Mm. and to me a sense of purpose and a sense of well-being is measured on how you feel towards others Mm. if you if you if you don't have a strong sense of well-being if you don't have a strong sense of purpose if you don't have a strong and you're you know crushed by all of these pressures from within the system you're not willing to help anybody you're not willing to see the reality of the world around you you don't want to give because you can't give mm. or you know and and you can see that you can sense that and and there's weird things happens that I've witnessed in society is that if you grow up in this space, you never know that that's not how you have to live. Mm. And to me, that is the true trauma of, of, you know, colonial imperial structures is like, I feel so privileged to have the access to my culture and witness like these, but ah, I can't even bring that like, like <laughs> bionic creatures that are so disembodied from their experience and so confused as to why their body emits stress responses as to what even a stress response is mm. as to why the relations that they have don't work and as to what you know and you come into even you know in the family like, I bring it back what's the far now what's my family connection and I love the exchange of you know mana and my family and I see yeah. and that's and then I see in colonial spaces and I'm like oh my god you guys actually hate each other and you abuse each other but you're family so you have to stay together and this is that that's that's the pattern of of life mm. that and and so I look through that perspective and I just feel horrible you know a whole lifetime of of intergenerational abuse to yourself to your environment and being trapped in that space is is horrible it's completely horrible so that's why you know i i'm trying to figure out what the language is to communicate Mm. what does culture really mean Mm. what does it really mean to sit in this space because 
like you were saying before, that, that, that terror of losing what we have. I've seen so many spaces like family and community environments of that trauma space that I was talking about just before. You start to introduce this, you know, value and concept of mana. You start to add manaki tanga care for others. You mm. start, and you see the shifting out of scarcity mindset into into the next phase of what it looks like and being in right relationship and from a body worker perspective the posture changes completely mm. the skin changes completely the blood starts flowing again all of a sudden these weird stagnations that you've had through your body just mm. leave because believe it or not we are physical beings and mm. every single thing we do interacts through our being yeah and they congest, and and when we start, and it needs to be in a complex system of relations, it or it needs doesn't to. work. The it, energy doesn't flow, it, and it can't. It, it cannot possibly do that. But when we have a culture that's just like reduce, reduce, yeah. reduce, 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 you've got nothing. So of course you're not going to want to try and lose. You I'm know? seeing that across half the podcasting ecosystem right now because mm. that's the new campfire, and mm. you know there are a lot of different fires and a lot of mm. different people around them. And, and you see, you know, the absolute opposite of that. And there's so much of, uh, so much of podcasting and YouTube channels, etc., are kind of backlash responses at the moment. Mm. You know, so, um, and it's weird when you see, uh, the advertising is such a clue, you know, because you see this vertical integration of a, um, of, of a sexuality, a kind of uh, a sense of failing power, and a backlash against that that produces an ideology and it's all coming out of this mm. and I think at the, at the base of the stack the ecological stack of this is that sexuality mm. and that, that kind of um, uh, that damaged sexuality that, that's coming from that Roman dignitas mm. model of mm. mana you know and you can see it come oh, and it just vertically, inter- vertically integrated right through so they feed people a lot of uh, data discussion and theory that kind of backs the, this sort mm. of disgruntled sense of the world, mm. um, or this sense that the world is, the world is falling apart, and there are barbarians at the gates, mm. and they're taking what's ours. Mm. They're going to replace us, mm. and 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 this apoplectic sort of florid, mm. you know. And so they they sell. Um, well, then food comes into it because they're selling a diet, oh, God. and it's usually a high pro. Uh, it's a high protein diet. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you've got these fellows here, and they're, they're um, and um, you need testosterone therapy, mm. you know, as well, mm. you know, and uh, and and you need blue chew, because you your dick's not getting hard anymore, mm, <laughs> and you need that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? um, um, and oh, what's the other one? You know, Manscape. Uh, of mm. course, you, you look at all the the products that are being, but. One of the, the biggest ones is a whole range of products um, from, uh, from uh, breathe, breathable kind of underwear um, to like high-powered deodorants mm. that are there to control body heat around your nether regions yeah. and, you know, where you exude pheromones. Oh, like, my goodness. Because these, these men are fucking, and it is men, oh. they're, they're, they're just oh, whipping themselves up into a big heat death. Yeah. And so they're having to like, my balls are yeah. hot and wet all the time. What? I I yeah. need I need a special pair of clippers oh to like to allow them to breathe. I need special underwear. I need yeah. to spray these balls with with a special yeah. high powered deodorant. And these guys who are selling me the ideology and the knowledge that's whipping me up further into that frenzy 
are also selling me the diet and the products that are mm. going to increase my blood pressure and my heat. Mm. And they're also selling me my political diet. Mm. Uh, they're selling me a, 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 an enhanced version of that sexuality to mm. increase my dignitas and increase my <laughs> blood pressure at That's the crazy. same time. And so I'm seeing this vertical integration in all these podcasts. Mm. And that's this ecosystem that I'm entering. Mm. But I'm just seeing that. I'm not writing a, a goddamn paper about it and critiquing it and going, these people are evil, you know, yeah. shut them out, deplatform them, yeah, get yeah, rid of yeah. them. Yeah. Because that's why they're there. Mm. Because lazy pricks, mm. really lazy pricks, doing critical theory, critical race theory, queer theory, like just skating around the edges of it, mm. are just using it to throw stones over the fucking fence. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so they've started this war. Mm. And, 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 and these people have retreated into these little foxholes and they're going insane. Mm. So for me, my engagement with that, it, 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 it can't be critique. Like beyond just noticing, wow, look at that vertical integration. Mm. Um, at what point of the stack now do I need to come in in order to increase my relationship with these people? Mm. How can I make a relationship there and then how can I integrate increase that mm. you know in mm. order not to topple their tower that's fine if they want a tower mm. but just to you know Add bring complexity. them into complexity yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah completely yeah completely. bring them into complexity and hopefully not damage my own by engaging with it mm. um, so for me that's the purpose it's about engagement it's mm. about relation mm. it's about increasing mana you know, not mm. getting it back mm. from somebody mm. or, you mm. know, um, decreasing theirs by bringing them down. I think that's so important to come in with the point of what can I add to this? Yeah. As opposed to how am I going to sit here, do nothing and critique that? Because oh. you don't have any accountability. You don't, you're not actually, not only are you like disrupting that system in a negative way, you're also not even adding yourself to that. So mm. like you're not, you're doing the opposite of, of you're only adding interference yeah. really. And, and, you know, this is what I keep on coming back to with this whole, you know, call out culture and, and, and cancel culture and then extending into this, you know, punitive justice space of, of the othering of, of people. It's, it's about radical responsibility. Mm. And you know what, when, when you're in right relationship with yourself, Radical responsibility isn't actually that hard. You just have wow. to bring you and who you are into a space. Mm. And people just have to be a witness to that. And oh. you don't have to critique what's going on there. You just have to exist in right relationship. And it's like, how do we shift into that form of radical responsibility? Mm. All you can do is be it, inhabit it, mm. and model it mm. for others. Mm. And stay in your lane. <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i don't have a lane <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the side of the road eating roadkill but there's plenty of grass there so yeah. I'm good. yeah yeah <laughs> that's where we want to yeah. be yeah but i i really do um i, I do like engaging people mm. who are in other lanes mm. 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 yeah yeah no that cross-pollination yeah. is important i don't like just stay in your lane but stay in your speed okay so if, you, if you're in the fast lane the speed for that lane is the speed limit mm. you should be able to get in there set your cruise control on the speed limit and you're right mm. Mm. but there's always some prick wants to go faster oh yeah yeah 
and and forces you out of that lane into this lower traffic lane mm. and then you've got to take off your cruise control because mm. you're stuck behind someone else then while and then they rear in the person speed. in front of you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's it oh and they're flashing their lights at yeah. you yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fast lane yeah this is the break the law yeah. lane <laughs> yeah yeah uh god yeah wow yeah I'm, I'm I'm sick of lanes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, what, what I really like about COVID is the is the lack of driving. Oh yeah, that's been involved. Yeah, completely. Been... Actually, probably this time being back down in Nam, um, was driving back into the city from mm. Blackburn. Um, after like I don't know, maybe I went into the city a handful of times last year during lockdown. Yeah, and I was like, almost had like a full anxiety response to getting onto the motorway because I yep. was, just was not ready for, yep. for the amount of cars that are now. It was... Uh, it, it's a war zone. Mel- is Melbourne, a, yeah. Melbourne is a war zone for the human spirit. It's it's, it's horrendous. Yeah. But that's... Oh, well, people should... You, you keep saying NAM. I, I guess most people listening oh, might yeah. not know what that is, but NAM, N-A-R-M, that's the, um, that's the indigenous... That's the original name for Melbourne. So that's mm. what the place is actually called. Mm. So a lot of us just refer to it as NAM. Mm. But like I said, it's a war zone, so I, <laughs> still so I often refer to it in terms of like oh, I'm I'm so I'm in my third tour of Nam now. Mm. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a veteran or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's brutal out there. It is brutal. Yeah. It's a very difficult landscape to inhabit. Yeah. But, you know, that's you you gotta do it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So mommy got Yep, yeah, it's 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 the one that's here for now. Um, it's not permanent, you know. And we're all in uh, cultures and economies and everything else. Um, structures of transition, yeah. and and we're moving through. <laughs> we're moving through. Everything, we are moving. Everything always shifts. Yes. The center shifts. Yes. Everything else shifts. Eventually, the the entire pie will shift. Yeah. Yeah. No. There won't be a center. And with the just to one, you know, pop back into the bodywork. One of the best learnings that I've had from that is the process of transformation. Um, in in the human body, the capacity for and and you know the human body is just a, a, a mimicry of the great ecosystem. Mm. The capacity for like complete transformation is huge. Yeah, and you can only attempt to create the right conditions for it and listen to the feedback that you have. But in the points of transformation that I have witnessed in on myself and in, in, um, different clients, uh, you, you can't really know how truly trans, how, how, what kind of transformation can occur until it's done and that's the emergent nature mm. of it and that's what i love the most about body work is you just have no idea what will come but when it does you're like i knew that was going to happen all along yeah, that it. was exactly of course yeah and I, I i hold that same faith um towards how we relate to uh, each other and towards the ecosystem as well mm. yeah oh, that's it well mm. i think that's um that's him now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just, I can't think of a better place to take it yeah, than that. Yeah, well, thank you. Good spot to finish. Same way. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so we've got hour and ten. That's a respectable yeah, wow. podcast. It, it's yeah, yeah. it's got to be over an hour if yeah. you want to call it long form, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, long form podcasting, <laughs> unedited, I reckon that is the new campfire. Yeah. Um, and we need, do need to be out there in that ecosystem, mm. um, the podcasting ecosystem, mm. um, because there are a lot of those towers there. Mm. And the towers don't need to be, you know... Um, pulled down but there are some damsels in distress in those towers and <laughs> yes and you know a lot of people guarding the doors who probably need someone to bring them a drink and have yeah. a bit of a yarn with them Let's pat on the back from there. yeah a massage that's that's how you start there for ages you just start i'll give you a massage bro i'll give you a little massage just a neck rub come yeah. on there you go feels yeah. good doesn't it yeah. and then uh yeah and then see where it goes yeah. from there <laughs> <laughs> yeah just have that yarn <laughs> yeah. all right um yeah really good to talk to you bros and sibling and we'll talk yeah. again soon thank yeah you. thanks man thank you for having me